If you're here for the first time or um, maybe the first couple, one or two times you've been here, just let me make sure you know this. We know that it's packed, okay? So what we do in July is we take a month and uh, we normally do a 9 and 11 service and we intentionally during the month of July, um, we take a month and we just say, look, one service, 10 o'clock. And we, it gives our workers, our servant leaders, a chance to kind of breathe. It, gives, um, it just gives us a chance as, as a church even to meet. One, like some of you are walking in and you go, I didn't know you go to church here. Because they go to 9 o'clock, you go to 11 o'clock. It just gives us a chance to meet. And so it's our first time doing it in, in the bar. And what we're learning is you can put a lot of people in a bar. Now, if you've spent a lot of time in bars, you already knew that was true, right? <laughs> you can squeeze a lot of people in a bar. Um, but you, you look good. If you need, if, if people are looking for seats, just scoot to the middle. Give them the chance to, to jump in next to you. What I want you to know is this. Um, it won't always be this way. So um, we have two more Sundays in July that I'll be speaking. The last Sunday in July is July the 31st. And what we're going to do is we're not going to have church here. We're going to take church from the bar and we're going to have church in the park. Okay, so we won't meet here on July the 31st. We'll meet down at the YMCA Park. Um, we'll be eating some really good food. Um, the kids have something awesome um, planned for us that day. It's going to be great. So, uh, so next Sunday and the Sunday after that, we'll be here, um, and then we'll be in the, the, the park, and then back in August, we'll be doing 9 and 11 o'clock. Everybody got that? You good with that? Shake your head like this if you got it. I mean, I can't see you anyway because that train's coming. It's all good. Um, let me say this. We've been doing a series called Breathe, and this morning, we're going to kind of put a pause on that. Um, this, this week, it's funny how God talks to me. I, I was saying, God, what, you know, what do we say this week? Um, breathe. Uh, you know, where we were headed was last week we introduced it. And today we were going to talk about the need to kind of put margin in our calendars. Um, if you're here and you scheduled in to be here, then you know what I mean by that. And I just felt like, you know, with all that was going on, I don't know how you respond to current events, but I tend to get glued to the TV. I tend to watch reports. I want to see what's happening, what people are saying about it. And at the end of the day, I just feel like the, the further things went this week, you know, there were three days in a row of just horrific things happening in our country, along with all that's happened to this point. And I just felt like God said there was no better way to teach and model what it looks like to have margin in your life than for us as a church to say, you know what, our little series is not as important as what God might want to say today. And so we're going to put some margin and space in the Breathe series and take a step back and just say, okay, God, what do you want to say to the gathering today? And, and not just to the gathering. I don't know if you know this or not. I don't know if you know how widespread what we do here is through, through a podcast and through, through videos on the Internet. But people that will hear this later, wherever they are, people that will see this later, wherever they are, I believe that God has a very specific word for us today. Um, I'm going to give you the chance to get to where you need to be because it's coming out of a book in the Old Testament called Habakkuk. Um, you got to be careful when you say Habakkuk because if you don't say it the right, you'll spit on people. You're like, Habakkuk, you know, and it's like all other people, right? So it is in the Old Testament. I'm going I'm to help you navigate to it, all right? Because if I tell you to go to, um, you know, Malachi, you'd be like, what? But if I tell you to go to Matthew, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. If you've got an old-fashioned Bible that you actually open, if you find Matthew, you go back five books to the left and you're going to be in Habakkuk. It's three chapters long. I can almost guarantee you that not many of us have had quiet times in Habakkuk. Because for many of us, today is the first time you even knew there was a book called Habakkuk. 
three chapters. What's unique about Habakkuk is this. He is the only prophet who has a book in the Bible where he never speaks to people. Most, some of you are like, I would love that job. (laughs) Sign me up. Most people, most prophets in the Old Testament, here's how this would work. They would talk to God about people and then God would tell them something to then take and say to people. Okay, so if you were a prophet in the Old Testament, that was kind of your job was to say, God, what are you saying? What do you want me to say? And then you'd say it. This is what, that's where we get those mad, angry people going, thus says the Lord, I'm going to kill you, right? Like we think of old, angry, mad prophets. Um, but Habakkuk was a prophet who, at least in this book, for three chapters, never once said a single word to people. This is, this is a Q&A between Habakkuk and God. This is a prayer session between Habakkuk and God. And I want us to see today just how important, how, how timely it is what he's saying to God. I'm going I'm to do this. I'm going to read the first, the chap, verses 2, 3, and 4 in the first chapter. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And when I read this this, this week, as I was just kind of praying, God, what's the word you have for us? I read these first three these verses, and I thought, holy cow. Like, if that doesn't describe what we're seeing right now in our country, I don't know what does. Just listen. Just listen to what he says to the Lord. How long, O Lord, must I call for help and you don't listen? Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you don't come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. I don't know what that sounds like to you. But that sounds an awful lot like Louisiana, Minnesota, Texas. And since those three, Albemarle, since those three, how about Georgia and Tennessee and Missouri again? This sounds a lot like what we see on the news. Where's justice? Where's the law? And God, felt like God said, look, there's a lot that we can learn from this book called Habakkuk. There's a lot that we can learn from a prophet who, the nice way to say it, had the internal fortitude to look at an almighty God and ask him questions that most people would only think if they even dared think them. So what we're going to see today is for three chapters, Habakkuk prays to God. And I believe this, if we're not learning anything else right now, we need to pray. We need to, as a body of Christ, learn what it means again to pray. For, for the most part, all we know is to hashtag prayer, right? Hashtag pray for blank, fill it in whenever the next tragedy happens. And so everybody has lit up social media with hashtags pray for Dallas, pray for whatever, whatever, wherever. But the truth of the matter is prayer is so much more than a hashtag. And what we'll see in this book is that you don't have to be religious to pray. You don't even have to be a really good Christian to pray. I don't know if we could, if we could bring Habakkuk back from the dead. That would be an awesome service, wouldn't it? And stand him right here. One, he would smell bad. But if we asked him, like, just a little interview with Habakkuk. Hey, Habakkuk, like, how would you say you did, like, you know, as a prophet? My guess is he'd say, I probably wasn't the best. But he was a really good prayer. And I think there's a lot that we can learn from the way Habakkuk 
prayed. Let me give you a little bit of backdrop about, about what he was facing. We know what we're facing, right? But here's what he was facing in his day. The, the, one of the, the most righteous king that the people of God had ever had since David. His name was Josiah. He became king when he was eight. <laughs> Welcome to elementary school, right? Eight years old, he becomes king. And he dies at the age of 39. Which means he had a good 25 to 30 years left to be king. He was a good king. He was a righteous king. He stood for the principles of God. And he was replaced first by one of his sons who only lasted a few months before he was taken out and he was replaced by another one of his sons his name was Jehoiakim and he was an evil king and so Habakkuk his his ministry kind of comes to an end when Josiah is leaving and he sees the beginning of an evil king and so you can kind of picture him saying wait a second like God what is going on we had it so good I'm old enough now to read Facebook posts of people that lived far enough back to say stuff like, I wish we could go back too. We have somebody running for president. His whole slogan is, I want to make America great again. I don't want to make America great. I want to make America greater than it's ever been. We have people that are looking back. And, and Habakkuk, he was able to do that. It's like, man, I remember what it was like when Josiah was king. I wish Josiah was still king. He, he saw the Babylonian Empire beginning to take charge. The Babylonians were, were evil. They were actually beginning to come in and invade their world. And he saw all of this. They were on the rise, an evil empire on the rise. Evil empire, Star Wars. And this is where Habakkuk was. And so he begins his book like many of us would probably start our prayers if we thought we could right he begins his book by complaining to God what, what you're going to see today is that God heard his complaint and didn't kill him and that alone should make you want to pray more right because we don't have to think hard about what to complain about right like a lot of people are praying when they get in their car after they leave Walmart dang God those lines were crazy and they were slow and what was the deal with that like that's a prayer right and Habakkuk understood that what we'll see is that Habakkuk did not panic he prayed. And I think we can learn three things. Three things about how to pray when we're questioning everything. Here's the first one. You got, if you've got a note sheet, you've got three, three points. There's some blanks. They'll be on the screen. You can fill the blanks in. It should not take too long. Number one, he prayed with honesty. Habakkuk prayed with honesty. If you, um, if you and again, I'm not going to read you the whole book of Habakkuk. You can read that today. It's three chapters long. It'll take you all of about ten minutes. But most scholars, if you'll study the way that they interpret Habakkuk, here's what they'll say. Uh, you can sum up the whole book like this. Habakkuk complains, God answers. Habakkuk complains, God answers. Habakkuk prays and it's over. But, but the whole book is prayer. The entire thing is prayer. It's all prayer because it's all a conversation between Habakkuk and God. So here's, here's the Q&A between Habakkuk and God. Habakkuk asked God three very honest questions. Maybe questions that you have asked God or at least thought about asking or at least you've thought about asking somebody else if it was okay to ask God these questions, okay? Here's what Habakkuk asked God. Three questions. Number one, do you even care? We already read that, right? He's like, do you not see the evil deeds? How long do I have to look at this and not see you come through? Do you even care? Jennifer was talking earlier about, you know, like God, Jesus being enough. And, and we, we say he's enough, but you know when you really know that he's enough? 
when you've lost everything else. You don't find out that he's enough in the good times. Habakkuk is going to learn that God is enough because he's like, God, I see this stuff happening and I'm not sure that you see the evil. I'm not sure that you hear the suffering. And if you do see it and you do hear it, does it even bother you? Do you care? Here's the second question he asked. Are you fair? (laughs) Here's why, okay? Just put yourself in Habakkuk's shoes. It's your quiet time with God. Uh, God, listen, um, our world is going to hell in a handbasket. I don't know if you've noticed this, God, but like I've got cable, so I've, I watch CNN, and I watch Fox, and sometimes MSNBC, and it's not good. I, I know you're God and all that, but do you, do you see this? Do you see what's going on? Do you care what's happening in our world? And, and, and God's first answer to Habakkuk's first question is this. You ready? Oh, yeah, I see it. I see it. As a matter of fact, Habakkuk, I'm using it. Just let that settle for a second. So Habakkuk's second question was kind of along the lines of, say what? You're, you're a holy God and you're using evil people to accomplish your plan? Do what? Is that even fair? Now, I know where you're at because you're at the same place I am. So, Paul, what you're saying is, like all the people, that, the sniper in Dallas, God used that? He made that happen? No. But he's sovereign. And he can use any circumstance to accomplish his plan. The shame of it for Habakkuk was this. God was basically saying, like, you know the people that you represent? Like, when you come before me and you pray and you look for a word, like, all those people, like, they're also my people. They're far from me. And I'm going to use the Babylonians to bring them back to me. And Habakkuk asked the question that you and I would both ask. God, that's not fair. Is that even fair that you would use those people to, to bring us back because we're far from you one of the commentaries that I read was written a long time ago I mean it's current but not like last month he said the only way that he could even describe the way Habakkuk would have to feel is can you imagine if you and I said to God what's going on in the world is crazy and God said yeah I know I'm going to use I'm going to use Muslims to punish the church I mean just Does that not take your breath? Because it does mine. That's where Habakkuk was. See, we think of quiet times and prayer as, oh, that's so sweet. Let's read something from Jesus calling and call today. But this is real prayer. Real prayer is when teenagers would come sit in my office and they would say, Paul, like my parents are splitting up and I don't know what I did wrong and I don't even know what to do about it. And I would just say, that sucks. And they'd go, yes, it really does. You get it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk to God about it. Oh, I, I can't tell God that it sucks. Oh, no, he's already heard it. We, we can tell him. It's okay. He's not even going to fall off his throne. He already knows it sucks. He's Lord over it. And if you wrestle with the fairness of that, you're in good company. All of us do. So did Habakkuk. Here's the third question. Do you care? Are you fair? The third question was, are you there? 
And, and we'll get to that in a minute. Habakkuk 3.2, that's the verse that we're going to end with. So let me just suggest this. Habakkuk prays with honesty. He may have been the most honest and courageous prayer ever, and God didn't kill him for it. Pray with honesty. Listen, pray with honesty. And, and you don't have to pray with honesty by having the King James voice or nothing. Just pray with honesty. Pray what's on your mind, what's on your heart. Be like Habakkuk. Pray with honesty. Here's the second thing he did. He prayed for clarity. Um, it's really good to pray with honesty, but if that's all that we're doing, prayer becomes a one-sided puke fest. Have you ever vomited on God? Isn't that fun? Sometimes we're not, we don't have the courage to vomit on God. What we do, we vomit, to, uh, we vomit on other people about God, right? But listen, if all we're doing is being honest, I had, um, I had some teenagers one time, I, I, I teach them all the time, man, God loves honesty. He values honesty. There's a little parable in the Bible where a father, this sounds so much like um, a parent with teenagers, a father goes to one son and says, will you go work in the field? And the son says, uh, no, and that's the clean version. And he goes to another son and says, hey, can you go work in the field? And that son says, oh, yes, father, whatever thou shalt desire. <laughs> and the first son that said no actually ends up going and working in the field. And the second son that said, oh, yes, Lord, father, whatever you desire, didn't go. And Jesus' parable was, who do you think honored their father? And the answer, obviously, is the first one who said no, but then later changed his mind and went and worked in the field. And I used to tell teenagers all the time, I'm telling you today, God works with honest hearts. You tell God how you really feel, and he can change that. He can work with that. He doesn't do so well with people who play games. So tell God how you feel. I preached that one time in a youth group, and so the next week, the, the pastor's son came up and started telling me all the bad things he had done that week. And I was kind of like, uh, why are you telling me this? Well, you said that you want us to be honest. Oh, we need to talk some more, right? I want you to be honest and then change, right? So honesty to change. And so listen, if all we're doing is being honest in our prayers, then all we're doing is vomiting on God, right? We're, and we're telling him stuff he already knows. Now it's good to pray, but it's not, it's, he doesn't need you to tell him what he already knows. He'll listen for sure, but we need to start doing what, what else Habakkuk did? He prayed for clarity. We need to do more than just voice our doubts and questions to God. We need to get his response. There was a purpose in Habakkuk's prayer, and the purpose was this. He wanted clarity. He just got a different kind of clarity than he thought. So Habakkuk had hoped that he would understand what God was doing, and instead he understood who God was. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to throw a bunch of words at you, okay? Just jot them down, and all my notes will be online later. You can go back and get the verses. They're all here in Habakkuk, okay? Here's who we found out who God was. God was timeless, verse 112. God was holy, 112. He was strong, 112. He was pure, 113. He was purposeful, 2-3. He was faithful, 2-3. He was glorious, 2-14. And he was a savior, Chapter 3, verse 18. Listen, prayer allows us to clearly see that who is ruling is greater than what is happening. That's your big idea, okay? Jot that down. Fill in those blanks on your note sheet. That's my way of ex ex accepting that you won't remember everything I say, but please get that. Who is ruling is greater than what is happening. 
And this is what Habakkuk realized in his prayer time with God. Man, this is what we need to realize. When we're watching the news and we're seeing all that's going on, when we think about people that we know and that we love that are caught in these kind of situations, maybe they're in law enforcement. When we think about all, it's so easy to get frantic and panic, but here's the deal. Who is ruling? God. And who is ruling is greater than what is happening. And that's what Habakkuk realized. And here's what I want you to see. Just kind of how that changed. How does honesty and prayer and how did clarity impact Habakkuk? It's the third thing. It filled him with the confidence to pray in authority. So we want to pray with honesty. We want to pray for clarity and we want to pray in authority. Think about this. Nothing had changed. Three chapter prayer, nothing changed. You ever been there? I mean, if we're, we're talking about being honest, right? So can we be honest? Have you ever gotten up in the morning and said to God, today is the day. Today, I start being a prayer. Holy snap, it's going to be good. I got my coffee. I got a Keurig so it takes less time. I just hit the button, pull it out. I got my Bible app, version reading plan. I read a few verses, probably just one. Set it down, feeling good. I got my coffee. I don't know how you pray. Some people sit and pray. I tend to fall asleep if I'm sitting. I like to pace a little bit. Kind of, you know, I, I know if you've been here long enough to know, like, you know when I'm into it because I do that really weird funky white man can't dance thing. I'm just kind of pacing back and forth. I'm sipping my coffee. I have coffee with Jesus. I'm talking to him. And you're feeling good, aren't you? You're like, this is working. I feel it. I feel it. Yeah. I'm going to pray through a second cup of coffee. And you get done however long that takes you. I'm a fast coffee drinker, so 10 minutes. We're done, two cups, praying with God, whatever. And then, and how long does it take you to realize that externally nothing changed? Doesn't that stink? Like, God, I gave you the best 10 minutes of my day. We had coffee together. And nothing changed. You start to feel like you have no authority in prayer. Like prayer doesn't even work. That's where Habakkuk is. Habakkuk has prayed honestly to God. Habakkuk has prayed for clarity from God. And, and while he thought that he was going to understand God more, what he came out of that prayer time with was clarity about who God was. But at the end of the day, the Babylonians were still on the rise. Jehoiakim was still king. Josiah was still dead and not coming back. Things were still bad. And yet, listen, here's how Habakkuk changed. He started to pray differently. It wasn't like a Jedi mind trick, right? I'm just going to pretend like I've got power to make it all better. No, he actually prayed differently. He began his prayer time in the first chapter complaining to God. Those three verses were all about complaints. And then listen to the last three. The last three verses that he read, that he prayed. Chapter 3, verse 17. Just listen to how honesty, clarity, and authority works its way into his prayers. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields lie barren and empty, even though the flocks die in the fields, and the cattle barns are empty, 
Honesty. Honesty. See that? Honesty in prayer. Like, you know what, God? I recognize that some of this may never change. I came to church this morning, God, and Paul was on fire. Literally, it was hot. He was on fire. It was fantastic. He preached a great message. Man, man, you stirred my faith to believe God. And even if I go home and turn on the news and there's another shooting, even if my child in Albemarle gets profiled, maybe we should say even when, not if. Even though all this would happen, even if my candidate does not get elected president. And I think 100% of Americans say that's probably true of them because I'm not sure these are the two that we'd have picked. <laughs> Even if the bad continues. He didn't, he didn't suddenly, God, you know people like this. You know people who act full of faith, right? They're the people that go, <coughs> no, I'm not sick, I'm healed. <coughs> <coughs> They're shoving their lung back in their chest telling you that they're healed. And you're like, dude, you're stupid. You're not healed. You're dying. He didn't act like it wasn't real. He was more like Abraham. Romans says that Abraham faced the fact that he was as good as dead and still believed against all hope that God would come through. This is not a Jedi mind trick, right? Prayer is not trying to juke God out. I'm really mad, but I'll smile and act like I'm happy, and he won't know. Dude, he's God. And he was honest, even at the end of this. But listen to what happened after he was honest. Then he started to see, he prayed with clarity. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. He had become focused on this. I'm not rejoicing in the situation that has not changed. I Honest to, honestly, God, what, what, what would that, honest to God, he'd be like, honest to you, right? Honest to you, I came into my prayer time complaining about the situation. But I am exiting my prayer time rejoicing in who you are. Situation hasn't changed. I'm honest about that. But I'm clear on this. I can rejoice in who God is. He has not changed. And then listen to this last verse. Just the prayer of authority. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Not he might be my strength, but he is my strength. That's the kind of authority that comes out of prayer times when we're honest. When we ask God for clarity and he shows us who he is. Listen, we may never fully understand, okay, not may, we will never fully understand what God does, ever. We, we, and, I, and I don't say that lightly, okay? Now, I don't, my sons will never be profiled in a car. I, I will never be profiled in a car. I mean, they might say, like, dude, that dude's ugly, pull him over, I don't know, but I, I won't. I can't relate to that, but I can relate to seeing people die. I can relate to losing people that I love. I can relate to seeing tragedy in my own life personally and saying to God, honestly, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Because you're God. Fix it. But I can also say in all honesty that the longer I have lived, the more I have seen his glory come out of my tragedy and my pain. And I still don't understand it. 
but it's true. And there's an authority that comes when we have clarity about who God is. One of the most famous prayers that Habakkuk prayed is found in verse, chapter 3, verse 2. I'm going to close with that. And it was, it's funny, chapter 3, verse 1 says, this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. <laughs> Again, I don't know what your prayer times are like, right? I don't know. He didn't start out singing. He started out yelling, screaming. Like, again, you be as honest as you want with God. I'll just go before you. I'll be really transparent. I have had yelling matches with God in the woods. I have had yelling matches in my pillow so I would not wake up my, my family. I have, um, I have hit invisible God. <laughs> you know, like he's somewhere. I'm worried. I can't see you, but God, I'm so mad at you right now. I've done all that. I know what it's like to enter quiet times screaming and complaining. I also know what it's like when God shows up and you see him for who he is. You don't understand anymore what he's doing, but you see him. And I know what it's like to go from screaming to singing. And that's what happened to Habakkuk. That's crazy, isn't it? He's yelling and screaming at the beginning. And at the end, he is singing this prayer. And here's the prayer. And I love this verse. I have heard all about you, Lord, and I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. Depending on what translation you have, you will see these words. In wrath, remember mercy. In wrath, Remember mercy. What does that have to do with us today? It's this. It's a prayer that is prayed in authority because he had clarity on who God was. And here's who God is. He was then. He is now. God does not change. He is a holy God who must punish sin. But he's a merciful God who desires to save the ones who must be punished. And Habakkuk saw that, right? He was like, ugh. You're holy. I see that. And yet this sucks. And you're merciful and you've got to be able to fix, do something. God, I've heard about all you've done in the past. We could, we could pass the mic around in this room. This room is packed full of people who could tell amazing stories about what God's done in the past. And Habakkuk says, I've heard all those things. I've heard all the stories. And I believe them. You really are good and you really are holy. But God, in our day, in our time, give us the help we need. And, and I get it, God, you're holy. I get it. You're holy and we're not and we've screwed it all up. And there's a price to pay for that. I, I get it. I get that the, the punishment we're, we're, we're experiencing now is not indicative of who you are as much as, it, as of who we are. And I get it, God. You've got to punish sin. But in your wrath, God, remember mercy. And, and you know what? Habakkuk saw that in his time. But Habakkuk was prophesying about a greater time. And, and we know it as Calvary. We know it as a cross. Sadly, we only know it as a prop in an Easter play or around our neck. But the cross, the cross is where Habakkuk's prayer came true. And a holy God poured out his wrath on Jesus 
so that through Jesus, he could pour out his mercy on me. That's what happened at the cross. The cross, in wrath, God remembered mercy. And that's the message that you and I can carry with confidence. That's the message that we can share with a country that is torn apart. Is that there's a cross where God reconciled men back to him. Where he, in wrath, fully poured out his wrath as a punishment for sin on his own son. And showed us mercy as a result. Listen, the answer to our country's divide is not that you and I put on a smile and act like we all get along. Because we don't. The truth of the matter is, the more that God blesses us at the gathering with a multi-ethnic and multi-generational church, the more problems we're going to have. Because sometimes we just don't get along. Sometimes we just don't trust each other. Sometimes we, because we don't know each other. I wrote about this this week on the blog. As God is just changing my heart, you can ask, as God is my witness and ask anybody in my family, the first time I watched the movie The Help, I cried like a baby at the end of that movie. Abilene is walking off into the sunset, and I am bawling like a baby. Because in that moment, I felt the weight of what people that look like me had done to people that look like her. And I was ashamed. We got to feel that. And there's a clash that takes place when we begin to see what we have done. The healing for our country is going to come when we say to God, what Habakkuk did in wrath. Remember mercy. And thank you for what you did on the cross that can heal the junk in my heart that just wants it my way with people that look like me. Habakkuk, get this, this is amazing. Habakkuk viewed the events of his time looking forward to the cross we can view the events of our time looking back to the cross. He, he, he prayed that prayer hoping it would be true, right? Oh, God, please, God, in wrath, remember mercy. But you and I, you know what we get to do? We point to the cross and go, look, look, in wrath, he remembered mercy. He did it. That same God that's faithful and true and strong and a savior, he did it. And he... In wrath, he gave us mercy. Habakkuk prayed hoping, man, we can pray knowing that because of the cross, we've been given mercy. The message we carry to a world that's jacked up is this. God's wrath was poured out on Jesus so his mercy could be poured out on us. The message that we carry to the world is that who is ruling is greater than what is happening. The message that we carry to the world is that we will be a people who spend time in God's presence, in prayer. And maybe prayer for you this morning looks like, dang it, God, what are you doing? For some of us, in this, it might be like, God, I get it, man, you're over all of this. And we might have a different level of, of clarity than you have. But at the end of the day, we got nothing to give to a world that's broken. If we've not first been in the presence of God.
It's in the presence of God that we realize that even though the world is shaken, God is not. That even though the world is panicking, God is not. And, and to, to be honest, pick your news, your news channel of, you know, your favorite one. I don't know if it's CNN, Fox News, or, you know, maybe you've got your own. And if you have created your own, let me know what it is. I'll watch it. Your faith's not going to be built watching that stuff. I see it's good to know what's going on, right? It's good to know what's going on. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a message later with some pastors that I know. And, and I'm going to tell them this. Like, this is not the time for pastors to point out what people already know. Like, we all know that we need to pray, right? And most of us probably have some idea of how to pray. Like, you know, even if it's open your mouth and, you know, add if to the end of every word. <laughs> so you sound holy. But most of us know how to. But man, you know what we need to be pointing out to the world right now? Who we pray to. We pray to a God who is not shaken. He is not shaken. And so this morning, we're going to end doing that. We're going to end praying to a God who's not shaken. And for some of you, um, Phil and Jim, for y'all, come on up. For some of you, this could be um, a little awkward. I get it. You know, like um, spending time with somebody that you may not really know. <laughs> I totally understand that. But I want to give you the chance this morning as a church to pray. I want to give us the chance this morning as a church to simply come before God and be like Habakkuk. To come before him honestly. To come before him asking for clarity. And then to pray in authority. That the mercy he showed us at the cross, he'll use us to show to the world again.